Hey guys, you're listening to She's Obsessed, the podcast, and I'm your host, Jamelia Donaldson. This week, I'm introducing you to a good friend of mine, Casey Alicia. I speak to Casey about how she figured out how to write her first book, Love Thy Throw, and managed to self-publish, how she developed an interest in music tour management, the courage that she has to pursue her very diverse talent, what she's learned from children by working with them so intimately through the Love Thy Throw musical, regrets she has about giving up on her passions and the absolute necessity to create the things you needed when you were younger. Casey drops some massive gems on the importance of time management, managing multiple tasks, taking a leaf of faith and her belief that you can have multiple purposes. This is a great episode with lots of laughter and feel good vibes so I hope you enjoy. Let's go. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Doing good, thank you. Thank you for joining me on She's Obsessed, the podcast. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Have you listened to many episodes? I listened to your first one. Oh, there's been a few more. Haven't caught up yet. (laughs) (laughs) Because because life is peak. (laughs) Haven't been in the country. (laughs) That's true, that is true. But yeah. Um, But as I probably shared with you before, I created it because I wanted to elevate and amplify the conversations that I was having with influential black British women like yourself um so this is just like a platform a safe space for us to talk about a few things mm-hmm. i haven't carved out anything in particular to talk to you about just because i know that your career is very colorful <laughs> and it can go in very a, very a few different directions yeah so um start by introducing yourself tell us a bit about who you are what you do what you're passionate about what you're obsessed with and then we'll take it from there okay so i am casey alicia um a children's author my most known book is probably love thy fro um, I'm also an executive producer for theatre because we adapted Love Thy Friend to musical. We did. We did. Someone yeah. mentioned that to me today, actually. Really? Yeah. And they were like, um, yeah, I know Treasure Trust, you guys done a theatre production. And I was like, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we did sponsor Love Thy Friend. And oh, she was sick. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that was in Peckham. I was like, yeah. Sick. Mm. Yes. So we did that. Um, and then I'm also moving into music tour management. Cool. So, yes, in a few different things mm-hmm. so what yeah. led you to be so I don't know diverse and so varied mm-hmm. in your different career options I just like I'm that type of person that if I want to do something I'm going to do it and the books were random I mm-hmm. didn't plan to be an author I always thought I'd do something around music and entertainment mm-hmm. but I never thought I'd be a children's author like <laughs> that was probably the last thing on my list trying to inspire kids but um it happened anyway and it's been an amazing blessing mm-hmm. so I'm happy that happened um theater I grew up doing musical theater anyway like for most of my life from when I was maybe like 10 even 9 to mm-hmm. like 19 20 so going back to that was like going back to my roots it felt really natural mm. and it was just another creative outlet and I like challenging things like who has done a children's musical yeah. out of a, a book? Do you know what I mean? Um, obviously, loads of people have done it, but like, who's done it like in London, a mm-hmm. young person with no backing, no funding? Yeah. <clears throat> I was like, let me just do it. And then music, yeah, because I thought I'd be music and entertainment. 
I grew up singing up to now. I'm always singing in my house and everyone's always fed up with me. <laughs> so I just do what I do. But I didn't want to be on the forefront anymore mm-hmm. because I'm, as much as I'm confident, I'm really shy as well. Mm. Don't like judgment and all that from people. <laughs> so I was like, let me find something behind the scenes. And I'm good at organizing stuff. And I was like, do you mm-hmm. know what? I think Toro would be interesting. It's something new. It's mm-hmm. something I don't think a lot of females do or know about. Yeah. So I was like, let me just try it. And, you know, I'm still finding my feet in it. But what I've done so far, I'm, I'm excited about and I'm happy about. And I think I'm headed in the right direction. There we go. Yeah. So I love <laughs> that you said um, you didn't see yourself being a children's author. But then the book just happened. <laughs> How the hell do you, does a book just happen? Like, where did the inspiration come from? What was the writing yeah. process like? How long was like how long was the journey to actually getting the book published? And mm. then what distribution route did you go down to get the book out there? So okay, I so when I was doing like songwriting, mm-hmm. when I thought that was the path I was going to go down, mm-hmm. which I might go back to, who knows? Um, I. I had a bit of writer's block, so I just wrote this long poem, and that's essentially what ended up being Love by Fro. Mm. And I just wrote it maybe in like a, some of it in like a day, and then came back to it to refine it. And I was talking with a friend of mine, Sabrina, and it was August 2015 at my friend's birthday party. It was the August bank holiday weekend around Carnival. Mm. And I was just like, oh yeah, I've written this like children's book, which I think I want to put out. Um, but I'm not sure, I don't know what I want to do. And she was like, what's wrong with you? Just do it. Mm. and I thought about it and I was like all right cool let me try and do it by Christmas because that's when Mm. everyone buys presents so I was like let me just um you know put this out and see what happens so I went found an illustrator who was a friend of mine always loved her art so I was like hey I want to do this children's book and she was like oh my gosh I've always wanted to do a children's book it's so (laughs) great so she illustrated it and then the book was released on the 6th of December Mm -hmm. so like it was proper tight but I was like, you know, I found a great printers. They were helping me um, make sure that everything was right because we had to get the bleed right and we had to make sure it was the right size. Like it was so long, went back and forth so many times. And <clears throat> I probably thought I wouldn't <laughs> get it done because they were mm-hmm. like, we need the book today by 12 o'clock. Otherwise it's not going to be printed in time. Like it was wild. <laughs> so yeah, I had a little book launch, invited friends and family. Um, was really nervous about it. And then a friend of mine, Romel London, Mm -hmm. was like, why haven't you tweeted about this? (laughs) Like, why aren't you letting people know about this? So she tweeted it first. Mm. Um, It was either Twitter or Instagram, one of them. She put it out there first. And then people started retweeting, hearing about it. And so then I posted it. And yeah, we just had loads of people come. I only printed 200 books. So I thought, yeah, not many people are going to really get the book. Like, it's just a little passion project. You know what I mean? Um... And then, like, the book basically sold out. Amazing. Like, I think I left there with maybe five copies, which I then sold online. <laughs> and they just went. So I had to do another print. Then they sold out on, like, pre-orders. And I was like, wow, like, this is actually something that people want. Okay, cool. Let me keep reprinting. And more and more people kept saying, you know, what's coming next? Like, any more books? Where can I find more books? And I was like, do you know what? This is a space that clearly there's, you know, you need more people in there, more people doing diverse literature for kids. So I was like, I'm enjoying this. Let me continue. And as they say, the rest is history. There we go. So where did you get the money to fund you producing this book? Because we know it is not free. Yeah, um, I just went into my savings. Mm -hmm. And I guess because I thought, oh, this is a little passion project. I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm just going to fund it myself. I'm not going to bother... 
finding a publisher because it's it's not serious. It wasn't until the response, I, until I saw the response I was receiving from people that I was like, okay, mm. I need to actually think about this seriously. I need to get a business account. <clears throat> I need to start thinking about, you know, how I'm going to start distributing it, how I'm going to get out to new markets. That's when I started seeing it as a business. Um, so yeah, I've literally from the jump just funded it myself. Wow. And then what I make from the sales just goes back into it. So either reproducing more books or marketing or like going to events, getting stores and stuff like that. I literally just, you know, pay for all of that from what I make from the books. And now I'm at a point where I don't necessarily need to put my personal money in because what I'm making, <clears throat> it just sits in the business account mm -hmm. and it just keeps like, do you know what I mean? Feeding the overall thing. Vision. There yes. we go. <laughs> so it works. That's amazing. And then the follow-up from Love Thy Throw was Empowerment Journal? Yes, it was my Empowerment Journal. Um, which I released at my first children's festival, which mm -hmm. was called the Children's Empowerment and Literary Festival, mm -hmm. aka Self. But um, it's now I Am Festival, which fits a lot better. But yeah, so I launched that there. And that was literally just about getting children to become comfortable expressing themselves, whether that's through writing or drawing. And there were loads of like powerful affirmations and quotes throughout the um, journal as well. So okay. put that out there. And then after that, that was when I launched My Mummy is Superwoman. Oh, and yes. then My Daddy Does. And that's it so far. <laughs> <laughs> What's the greatest lesson that you've learned from working with kids? Ooh, that's so a good question. Even from like reading to them, because I know that you do a lot of that, or to like working with kids for the actual production of the musical. Yeah. Those kids were phenomenal. <laughs> um, but yeah, you. what have they taught you? Um... Kids have taught me that there's um, there's always something to be learned, whether it's from them themselves or from within myself or from the books that I have. Even today, I did a workshop and it was with older kids, which I'd never done before. Um, and it was just so interesting, the conversations that were had and you know, the ideas that people were coming up with about self-love and how they positively affirm themselves and how they see themselves. And it just, I was getting different perspectives all the time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm always getting different perspectives because every new person that sees the book sees it in a different way and can relate to it in a different way. So whether it's Kemi's hair in Love Thy Fro or just the color of her skin or just being happy, like they all take something different from it. Mm -hmm. And I always kind of then receive that from them. Are there any yeah. that you that particularly resonated with you where you're like, do you know what? This kid, this one kid said this one thing and it's something that I can't forget. I don't know if there's a kid that said something, but I remember um, someone emailed me, might have been maybe like a year or two years ago. And she was like, my... I don't know why I laughed, but she was like, my niece was literally, she had the scissors to her hair and was going to cut her hair. And we went through this book, basically. And she was like, you know what? I think I want to keep my hair. Like, and I was right. like, this is a little picture book. Like, how is that kind of changing her mindset? But I don't know what it was for her that clicked in that one reading. But she clearly saw the imagery, saw the words, and she just started to feel better about herself. Mm -hmm. um, and that to me was it's it's wild because I'm like I look at the book and I don't always see just how impactful it is 
and how much people take. And I guess I'm just used to it now. Um, or I've been through my journey, although I'm still on my journey. But for someone who sees the book for the first time, it can be really powerful. And that's mad. Mm. It's mad. Why did you, like, where did the character of Kemi come from? Like, how did you design what she was going to look like? How did you choose what her name was going to be? Like, how did you come up with the image for oh, her? Kemi. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely wanted Kemi to have darker skin. Mm-hmm. Um, I have darker skin. Mm-hmm. So I wanted her to have darker skin. And I felt like there weren't a lot of books with kids that had mm-hmm. darker skin. So that was a given from the jump. And then I wanted her to have the big wild hair. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> love that I wrote. I wanted it to be big and I wanted it to, um, I wanted loads of kids to see it and just be like, yeah, like, that's me. That's me, yeah. In terms of what she's wearing, I left that completely up to Elise who is my illustrator. So I said to her, I was like, I want you to have creative freedom when making these illustrations Mm -hmm. um, in all of my books. So she came up with her clothing. Did she come up with her clothing? Yeah, she came up with her clothing. clothing, And I was like, yeah, I love it. it." Um, Yeah, it worked well. Cool. I loved seeing her come to life in in the (laughs) musical because she's exactly like she is in the book. (laughs) Literally. But yeah, no, I thought that was fantastic. Thanks, girl. Um, so you mentioned that one of you noticed that one of your strengths was organizing things. Yeah. And I have to agree. <laughs> because you managed to get us all information for a trip in February, which is very yes. fruitful for everyone. Um, but when I think of you, I think of definitely of someone that like when they put their mind to something, they're just gonna figure out a way to do it and just right. go out there and do it. So I'm curious to know where that where that confidence comes from. Like, where have you learned that if I want to do something, I'm just going to go out and get it. And if the network doesn't exist, I'm going to build it. I don't know, you know. I actually don't know where that confidence comes from. Growing up, I've always been that kid that liked being the centre of attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you know. Right. <laughs> Ask my cousin, ask any of my cousins. They'll be like, yeah, Casey, like she did the most all the time. Um, So I guess I've always kind of been confident in a way. But at the same time, I've had my insecurities and Mm. I've, you know, had to deal with those things growing up. Um, And sometimes to this day, I have my Mm. insecurities, you know what I mean? But I think I just know, like, one, you have to fake it till you make make it. Mm. And two... I don't know where it comes from, but I've always had the mindset, if you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't try, you won't know. And this year, I keep saying hashtag be bold because as much as I know that, there have Mm -hmm. been moments when I've been like, oh, I don't know if I really want to do that or maybe I'll just wait or I'm going to just see what happens. Mm. But this year, I'm like, no, do you know what? Just do it. Like The worst thing anyone is going to say to you is no. Mm -hmm. And if they say no to you, you're not going to die. Mm -hmm. Like You'll recover from it. so I just literally just I just do it and it's one life we have one life to live like do everything you never know I might want to start rapping but I don't know I might want to create something crazy next yeah. year or the year after I never know I, I don't plan that far mm-hmm. I just kind of see what happens and if I want to do it I'm going to just do it and try What's one of those things that you've just gone for and it's worked out? And then what's one of those things that you haven't gone mm. for and you've been like, you know what, I should have just done it? Yeah. Um, I think acting mm-hmm. is one of those things where I'm like, do you know what, why did I stop when I stopped? Because I literally, um, I was at identity drama school. This is after I was at Theatre Peckham. Um, and I got signed to the agency. 
I literally went and took my headshots and everything. And then I left the agency. And it's because it was at the time that I was going to uni. And I was paying for it all myself as well. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on uni. And sometimes I see the people that I was in class with and they're they're doing sick things. Like they're doing amazing things. Mm. And I'm like, man, like I could have been getting some of these roles. But then I'm like, if I did do that, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Mm. Probably wouldn't have done a book, probably wouldn't have done a play, probably wouldn't be doing tool management. So I'm like, you know, it kind of worked out. Um, And then something that I just went for and it worked out, (laughs) the musical, because we applied for funding for that and we didn't get the funding. And people might not know that making musicals are expensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a lot of cost to consider. I can say that ours, we spent more than 10 grand on it. Wow. And we didn't get funding. <laughs> so mm-hmm. at that point, it could have been like, do you know what? This isn't going to work. Let's just go. But I was like, no, guys, we're going to make this happen. I didn't want to do crowdfunding, but we did it anyway. Um, Through crowdfunding, we only got like 2,200. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this is a start. And then we managed to secure the sponsorship. And mm-hmm. that helped us. Um, Even though that money didn't come till later the ticket money then started to help us. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so everything kind of just worked out in the end. And it, it could have gone so wrong. Um, but I was prepared to have to pay out of my pocket uh-huh. if something fell through. Because I was like, at the end of the day, like, this is an investment because we'll get, you know, we'll get people talking about it. People uh-huh. will learn about it. And then we can just start building off of that. Mm. so that worked out do you feel like love they throw is what you needed when you were younger is that why you feel like you're so passionate about being willing to go into your own pocket for yeah up to eight grand in order to make it happen (laughs) yeah no 100 percent, 100 percent. um because i grew up not liking my hair messing with my hair doing everything that i shouldn't have been doing to my hair damaging my hair not looking after my hair and it's I can't remember how old I was when I was like, you know, I'm actually going to try and take care of my hair and learn my hair again. But I was in my 20s, maybe like 24 or something like that. Um, Or 23 or something like that. And I cut it. And it's mad to think that a fully grown 20-something year old doesn't know what their hair is like. Yeah. What's your true texture? You know, does your hair retain moisture? Mm. You know, how often do you need to put product in your hair for it to be healthy? What does your healthy hair look like? Mm. I didn't know any of this. And even now I'm still learning some of it. Like, I don't know what the porosity of my hair is. Mm. Like, I've tried the test so many times and <laughs> I just I just can't. But it's like, I didn't know any of that. And if I grew up learning about it and understanding it and having a better relationship with it, you know, not having to have my hair done when I was sleeping because it was hurting, not hating to have my hair done, do you know what I mean? Then, you know... I'll be living a better life. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. One of the... So one of the people that you had on your radar that you wanted to work for was Seven, right? Yeah. And then you managed to bring that into fruition. Talk to me about that process. That was wild. So we... um, When I decided I wanted to do tour management, um, I've got friends that work in music anyway. And conversations we'd, we'd had... I was like, you know, doing tour management, I'll be comfortable working with an artist like Seven or an artist like Janae Aiko who have a level of success, but they're not like on absolutely crazy, insane tours. Um, But then they're not doing like really small venues as well. I I was like, I'll be actually comfortable at that level. Some people want more, some people want less. But I was like, 
that's what I would like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to LA in 2018, in January 2018, and I randomly bumped into Seven at mm-hmm. a Division concert. Um, so when I turned, I was like, oh my gosh, like, lovely to meet you. She offered to buy us a drink. We were like, no worries. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Didn't want to be those thirsty girls from London. <laughs> um, and then I was like, you know, are you planning to come to London? She's like, oh, we don't have anything planned at the moment. I was like, okay, well, I do, you know, tour management, if you ever need help, whatever. Were you actually doing to tour management at that time or were you planning? I think I was, I think I might have been planning, but I, no. I was maybe a couple months into it. Okay. Yeah. I was like a couple months into it and mm-hmm. um, I'd done like a few shows here and there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I did tour management, you know, like if you need me help, let me know. Like, let me know. She was like, do you know what? DM me. I was like, okay. She probably showed me her phone. She was like, this is how I talk to people. Like there's there were all sorts of people in her DMs and whatnot. She mm. was like, yeah, literally like DM me. So I DM'd her. She didn't get back to me. So I was like, all right, cool. Do you know what I mean? It's all right. Like it will happen when it's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. Then she got booked for her London show in December, 2018. So a friend of mine had worked with her in the past. So mm-hmm. I hit him up and I was like, yo, <laughs> what do I need to do to assist when she comes? And he was like, all right, cool. I'm going to hit them up and let them know you're available. So he hit up her dad. Um, I think her dad, I don't know if her dad manages her or her parents manage her, but they like handle stuff for her. Mm-hmm. So he um, hit him up and let him know I was available. And they were like, okay, cool. Um, is she good with the radio? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> like, I'm not a radio plugger. Like, what's going on? Um, but I was like, I don't really do radio, but I'll see what I can kind of put together. So he was like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to link you with her tour manager and, you know, you can help out and stuff. So he linked me with the tour manager. They were saying they were trying to get some radio interviews and stuff. Um, so I was like, link me with a promoter. And essentially, I ended up putting together like a little promo schedule radio promo whatever for her and she came and then obviously helped out when they did the show Mm. um and it was just wild because I was like I literally saw you in January and I was like I'm like I I want to work with you yeah and it happened and then off the back of that like I've been talking to the promoter a little bit and I think he wants to do some work as well amazing it was just sick and I was like see like I just I put it out there and it happened Mm. um so yeah it was exciting. It was good. Good okay. vibes. When I saw it on your Insta feed, I was like, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, you didn't tell me that it was actually happening. Second of all, it actually happened. I know. It was Mad. crazy. It so was are you like, are you a vision board type of girl? Or are you more like, I speak mm. into existence and know that it's going to happen? I have a vision board. Mm-hmm. And I like vision boards. And I think they're cool. But um, I think speaking it into existence. Works for you. Works for me. That's yeah. fair. And who are some of the more, well, not more, who are some of the other iconic people <laughs> that you're looking forward to working with? And um, just name a few that you've worked with previously as well and how those come about. Yeah. Came about. So I am an assistant tour manager to a tour manager called Nisi. Okay. Um, who works with Little Sims and Koji Radical. Mm-hmm. So I've been so blessed to be able to like debt for her. So if she's not available, then I can like do a show in pace. Or even if she is available, I can go to a show with her and assist. And that's been so good and such a blessing because she's, first of all, she's a female. Mm. Second of all, she's a boss. Mm. <laughs> and just by seeing her and working with her, like I'm learning how to 
maneuver in the industry do you know what i mean and i'm learning so so much so that's been great and obviously working with sims and koji has been dope their teams mm-hmm. are dope like it's just great <laughs> <laughs> um i've also assisted for i assisted for the chronics um alexandra palace mm-hmm. gig, which was super 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 great it mm-hmm. was i'd never done that venue before and was assisting an American team. So I assisted his store manager, who's Alex Rivas. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was really great as well. And obviously, because it was, because they're American, I was like, oh, she's American. I was like, oh, I'm not sure how I was going to be, but it was super great. And it yes. was like an amazing experience working with them. Um, and then I just did a tour with Poppy Ajuda, who's okay. a new artist, which was really good. Um, that was my first time doing Europe as well. So that was good. And that was the one just after your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and what does um assisting tour managing look like? Like what do you actually have to do? So on <clears throat> before a show, you can like be assisting with advancing and speaking to venues and making sure I guess an artist's rider is met, um, making sure that whatever provisions need to be put in place are put in place. Um it could be assisting with guest list, making sure names are down, um, finding out allowances. Um, on the day, it's making sure people get to where they need to be. It can be helping with scheduling. It can be helping with driving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and just essentially making sure the tour or the show happens. Okay. And that it happens smoothly. Um, I was so, so, so lucky to be able to have a conversation with an awesome tour manager called Tina Farris. Mm. And she's, again, female and a boss. Mm. <laughs> and from that conversation, she would just... I don't even know if she knew it, but she was just dropping gems like everywhere. And she was like, you know, you need to get the artist to the stage. So everything you're doing is to make sure the artist gets to the stage. You know, when the artist gets to the stage, everybody gets paid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so essentially you're just helping the artist get to the stage and making sure everything runs smoothly so that they get to the stage. Because I guess you don't want to be, um, you don't want to have an artist that's like, well, well I ain't performing then. Yeah. <laughs> then no one gets paid. That no one gets paid and that puts everything in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And who's like your dream? Who's the like one dream person that you would love to manage their tour? So two, actually. Everyone that knows me knows that Kelly Rowland's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love um, to manage a Kelly Rowland show, tour, mm-hmm. whatever. But I would also really like to do a little mix. Okay. Which I know people will be like, really? But it's because, one, I think what they're doing is great. Mm -hmm. Like, I love just, I just love their journey. They have a cult following as well. (laughs) They literally (laughs) do. And I feel like so many people didn't expect it. Yeah. And they did it. Yeah. And I think it's sick. Yeah. Um, And because they're at, I like, quite a high level as well I think that would be you know they do like arenas they do yeah and stuff. so I think that would be I think they might even do sta- and the next tour might be stadiums mm. um, so I think just working at that level would be very interesting and working with a group of people as opposed to single artists mm-hmm. I think that would be very interesting so that's something I would absolutely love to do with them and I mean mm. working with females it's cool mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah and what are some of the things that you've learned working with men because I know that you work with a lot of influential men You've worked with a lot of influential men and you're connected to quite a few. Like, what have you learned from your experiences there? Um, what have I learned from men? <laughs> um, 
do you know what i don't know if it's i don't know if i've specifically learned this from men but i guess from seeing men and seeing women Mm -hmm. i've learned that whatever a guy can do a woman can do (laughs) and she can probably do it better (laughs) but yeah um yeah i think i've learned i think that's one of the biggest things i've learned i don't know if there's anything specific Mm -hmm. like i'm i talk to slider cuts a lot Mm -hmm. i speak to him like every day and he's always dropping gems like Mm -hmm. whether it be about social media whether it be about business whether it be about life like he's always dropping gems um but I don't know if there's anything specific mm. that I would say. Yeah. And how do you manage your time? Because you have so many things going on <laughs> at one time. And I'm like, Casey, where are you? And what are you doing? Because one minute you're in one country, next minute you're in the other. Then you're telling me you're working on this project, but then you're also working on another project at the same time. And I'm like, how the hell are you doing this? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. I have a planner and... I'm just trying to figure it out. Every day I write my to-do list and every day half of it doesn't get done. <laughs> but I just... We keep it pushing. Keep... <laughs> we move. We move. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we just figure it out along the way. And if I have to do a few late nights because I've got deadlines, then like I've got a... I need to do a proposal and that's due soon. I need to like finish it like this week, next week, and I'm probably mm-hmm. on like... <laughs> <laughs> but so, um, we, get there. we just have to do you know what I mean I just have to get it done yeah um because if I don't do it no one's gonna do it and there's yeah. some things that I've put off um and I just don't give myself deadlines for them because I'm like when I get round to it I will do it mm. but I just make sure that the things that have deadlines they just get done they have to get done and is there anything that you have learned or like and even if it's come from slider any tips mm. that he's dropped as far as like managing your time to make sure that you do have the most productive days possible um what i've learned from you and shannon Mm. is that early starts are actually very key now i've 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 got the lesson (laughs) whoever i'm putting into practice is a completely different thing but i there were a few times when i'd wake up at like 5 Mm a.m or like 4 45 go to the gym quickly come back and be working by maybe like 6 37 and between 7 and like let's say 10 I've got so much done, like so much done. And I need to get back to that. It's just the fact that I'm trying to catch up on like a hundred hours sleep. Mm. So it's not working right now. But when I'm able to just start early and there's no distractions, I don't know what it is because sometimes my phone will still be busy. Like I can talk to Mark. If I call Mark at seven, like I can, I can get through to him. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I, I think the world's just quiet. I, I don't know if your it's spirit very is settled. Peaceful. Like, yeah, it's just like focus. Yeah. It's like a power, like four hours, I would say, up until about 10 o'clock. Mm. When it hits 10 o'clock, that's when everyone's up and everyone's in your inbox. Everyone's yeah. ringing your phone. Everyone's texting you. Everyone's WhatsApping you. Before that, though, quiet. And like, Literally. that's when you can get the most difficult task done. And for me, I try to stay out of my inbox because if I'm in my inbox, I'm like being responsive and I'm not yeah. being proactive about the stuff yeah. that I need to do for me. Yeah. Versus like answering everyone else's questions. So no, I'm proud of you picking that up. <laughs> Thanks, boo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a, that was a key lesson. Like I definitely need to get back to that. Yeah. For sure. 
And then talk to me a bit about your journey before you started living this amazing creative life. Because I know that it's easy to like look at someone and be like, oh, she graduated from uni. Then yeah. she wrote a book that was super successful. Then she turned it into a play. Then she was working with Slider. Now she's doing tour management. She's just an incredible woman, which you are. But I feel like there's a piece missing that people should yeah. also know. I mean, so before I took my leap of faith, which I'm actually documenting at kcelisha.com. Are you? <laughs> kind of, sort of. <laughs> no, I am. I am. I've just, because I've been so busy recently, I haven't done any recent blogs. Yeah. But um, I've got more content coming that I need to film. But I've got more content coming. There we go. Um, but yeah, so I was working for Lucian Holmes. Mm-hmm. And I was working at Lucian Holmes when I released Love Thy Throw. Mm-hmm. and I continued working at Lucian Holmes whilst doing the books on the side and everyone at Lucian Holmes was like yes like this is sick like mm. everyone was buying books like I was literally like delivering books all the time and I started to feel bad because I was thinking these directors are going to be like what's this girl doing <laughs> but some of them were so supportive as well wow so yeah it got to a point where I was basically given the option of redundancy because I did a secondment mm. into a different um, team and then the role I went from was being deleted. So they were like, you know, you can take redundancy or you can apply for a different role. Mm. Or you can reapply. And actually, it wasn't being deleted. It was being it was being deleted and reinstated, but differently. Mm-hmm. They're like, or oh, you can reapply for that. And I was like, first of all, that's less money. Mm. <laughs> no. Um, second of all, I wasn't enjoying it in the first place, so <laughs> no. Um, and I was like, you know what? Let me take my redundancy and let me take that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I contacted Mark from Side of Hearts because I wanted to interview him and he mentioned that he needed a PA. <clears throat> and I was like, do you know what? I might actually be available for that. Because I was thinking, if I take something that's not full-time, um, that allows me to work flexibly, which Side of Hearts does, it's literally sick mm. um, and is just supportive. It's going to help me on my journey. And so I did that, started working with Mark. And that to me was my leap of faith because I left the security of the nine to five and the security of knowing exactly what I was going to get, like get in my paycheck, that mm-hmm. nice money, um, you know, being able to pay my credit card or be able to go on holiday and all the rest <laughs> of it. Do you know what I mean? Like debt became real after that point. <laughs> but um, I just, I started working with him and I started focusing on my own stuff. And I realized that as soon as I made the decision that I was going to take that redundancy, so many opportunities came to me mm. so many doors opened up working with cider so much came through that mm. and i'm like damn like even the tour management stuff like me and nisi and working with nisi and the opportunities that came through that it all happened once i decided to leave Lucian homes wow and i was like do you know what it was my life was just so congested and i was trying to do too much so when i created that space God was like, okay, cool. You can handle what you actually want. Mm-hmm. And so he started bringing that to me. Um, and that's when I started my Leap of Faith journey. And it's not been easy. And I'm, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Still learning every single day, still doing new things and failing, still doing new things and succeeding and seeing how, how it worked out. But that's why I was like, do you know what? Let me start really putting stuff on my website because people ask me questions all the time about publishing. People ask me questions about leaving work. And I felt like no one was actually documenting it on the journey. Mm. People always talk about it when they reach that level of success. Yeah. And I actually launched my website when I left Lucian Homes, but for a year mm. sat on it because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want people to know that I'm broke. Oh my gosh, I don't want people to know that I'm struggling. Oh my mm. gosh, I don't want people to know that I woke up today and I don't know what to do. Mm. But sometimes I think that's important. It is. So I started it again at the top of the year 
and I have slacked just because of time and things have been crazy, but I do want to get back to it because I think people really do need to know about that. And I think mm. it will help to encourage other people to just go full throttle, take the leap of faith and live in their purpose. So, yeah. There we go. It's a whole word. <laughs> <laughs> so in closing, what do you think that your purpose is? And do you think that you can have multiple purposes in a lifetime? It's so interesting you asked that because Ramel London asked that the other day on mm. Instagram. And I was like, sometimes I feel like I actually don't know what my purpose is. Mm. But I do believe you can have multiple purposes um, in a lifetime. And I think you can have multiple purposes at the same time as well. Mm -hmm. And I know that one of mine is to inspire the next generation because I've experienced something through my life in not being comfortable with my skin and in who I am. And I think it's important that I now share the lessons that I learned with younger children so that they don't go through the same hardships that I went through. Mm -hmm. And so that we have a generation of kids growing up being prideful and being happy and being encouraged and empowered and inspired so that they can then do great things. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I think that's a part of what I need to leave in my legacy, that inspiration. Mm -hmm. And I know that having these books and having Love by Freddie musical, even if we only play it a few more times somewhere, because I, listen, it's going to become West a film End. as well. Mm -hmm. It's going to be on West End mm -hmm. at some point. But even if it's only goes for 10 years, that script is still going to be there. So it's still going to be there for, them, for someone to pick up mm -hmm. and do something with again. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, I know that that is my legacy and that is um, part of my purpose to inspire. But I feel like there's, I feel like I have another purpose as well that I just don't know what it is yet. But we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> oh, I think that was a brilliant closing. Thanks, girl. <laughs> Casey for your time for stopping by Treasure Tress HQ thanks for having me and for sharing some words of wisdom I think there's a lot for us to choose from from that content to use on socials so thank you so much thank you girl can't wait to have you back when um, you're playing <laughs> Kelly Rogan's talk. just make sure Beyonce yes. is also there and that I get to take <laughs> thank you girl I got you <laughs> but yeah Thanks for coming. Thanks, babe. TT turns four in November. Make sure you join us on the 22nd to the 24th of November to have a chance to build your own box with five products from your favorite hair brands for £25 or cheaper if you buy your ticket now on Eventbrite. Bigger venue, more DJs, more free beauty treatments, more brands, panels, and of course, an even more enjoyable experience than last year. Follow us on Instagram. Link is in our bio for the tickets.